Welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to have your company. Each week I speak to a pilgrim from somewhere around the globe, someone who has walked one of the many and varied pathways to visit the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James at the magnificent cathedral in Santiago de Compostela in northern Spain, the Camino de Santiago. I thought we'd speak to somebody this week who has walked alone, someone who has stepped well out of their comfort zone. And this week, my guest is an Australian, Anne Eidstein, from Austinmere, south of Sydney. I have to concede, I don't know a lot about Anne. We were introduced through a mutual friend, yet we have one thing in common, and that is we are pilgrims of the Camino de Santiago. Anne, welcome. Lovely to talk to you again, Dan. How are you? I'm well, thanks. I'm, I'm great. Look, let's begin with your pilgrimage. Where and when did you walk? Uh, well, I walked... Um, I actually walked with my sister, um, but most of our trip we sort of walked alone. But I started in September last year from Saint-Jean, which is just on the French side of the Pyrenees, and I walked the 800 kilometres to Santiago uh, over about five and a half weeks. Right, I was about to ask that. How long did it take you? So... Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, um, I'm um, a mother and a grandmother, five gorgeous grandchildren um, who were amazingly supportive to me to do this trip. I do a little bit of part-time work and um, I find myself living alone after 43 years of marriage and so um, the Camino was sounded like a very attractive thing for me to do. So when you say living alone, had your marriage broken up? Yes, it had. We're still great mates, but, you know, I'm now alone in life after 43 years, and so you need to reassess where you're at and what you're going to do. Yeah, and so, so was, yeah. was was there one day where you just just thought out loud, I'm going to go on the Camino de Santiago? What inspired you? What, what planted the seed? Um, I think you hear people talking about it, and um, I think I read a book called, oh, well, I did read a book called Sitting Across Spain um, in a book club I was in. And it just sounded fascinating, and I've always loved the idea, this sort of wild idea, you know, we have a dream, and one of mine was to be a vagabond on the road, but, you know, it seemed sort of one of those things that you'd never end up doing. <laughs> but it all seemed to come together from there, and um, and then the more I mentioned it to people, you know, you mentioned it to people, you think no one's ever heard of it, and everybody's either done it or knows someone who's doing it, or it's amazing how many people, and, and, uh, and so the idea just grew over, I guess, about 12 months, and next minute. I was there. <laughs> I actually spoke to Ailsa Piper two weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, oh, really? Who, who wrote Sinning Across Spain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'll have, have to listen to that because it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's a great She's book. She's done a lot of walks, I she, think. Yeah, yeah, she has. And, and Ailsa has just released a new book with uh, Father Tony Doherty called The Attachment, which uh, the, and ah. it, it's a book of their correspondence in the wake of a shared understanding of the of the Camino and love of the Camino through the book, Sinning Across Spain. So there you go, Small Worlds. Oh, well. Small Worlds. I'll have to read that one. Yeah. So you took, uh, so you took well, just over five weeks, uh, just under five weeks to walk it. Yes, about five and a half weeks it was. I think just on four, uh, 38 days we arrived in Santiago. 38. So yeah. how much did you carry, do you recall? Um, well, I went on... Yeah, we we decided just to carry a backpack um, and to have a little bag sent on with our things, um, you know, with extra clothes, etc. Because we were going to go on afterwards for a holiday, um, and so I just carried a backpack with uh, a bit of water and some lunch some days, and you know, the spare jacket if it rained, and um, of course my music and things like that. So not a very heavy backpack, rather light, 
Uh, if I ever did it again, though, I think I wouldn't have a bag sent on. I think I'd carry it on my back because I think that's it's part of the experience of just everything you own's on your back. But it's, I don't. Uh, it's a really nice feeling. Yeah, and I think also um, you shouldn't be necessarily discouraged from sending stuff on because it might be the difference between being able to do the walk and not being well, able to do the walk. Very much so, and I don't think I'm. I may not have done it if I'd have felt I had to carry it the first time. Yeah, yeah. I think now I think I just travel a whole lot lighter. And can yeah. I ask you then, how much did it cost you to have that sent on each day? I'm certain somebody listening would be uh, very interested. Oh, it, I think it was uh, about uh, five euro or something like that. It's quite, okay. it's quite reasonable, very yeah. reasonable. You know what? And the other thing about it is it's a whole local economy. There's yes. people, you know, little vans. We used to often see them driving around, you know. Um, so it involves the whole community and it's... Um, so, which is a you know a nice thing to be doing, you know, working with the local people. Yeah, that's right. And did you feel that your your gear was safe? Did you were you confident that it was? Oh, going very to be much so. Yeah, very yeah. much so. We never had an issue at all. There you go. Never had an issue. No. Okay, so yeah, what was great. what was in the backpack? Just the small backpack on your on your back. Yeah, just just uh, the stuff for that backpack? day. Oh, um, water. I've always made sure I had plenty of water. I yeah. actually took a camel pack um, to make sure I had plenty of water. Most of the time there was water available, but it was nice to have that feeling that you had water when you needed it. Um, sometimes we'd take lunch, but usually we like to just stop somewhere and have lunch. Oh, I took jackets and a rain jacket and that sort of thing. You know what? It didn't rain till about the second last day, but still I always had that rain jacket there. Yeah. Um, my music, I loved, I had my, um, uh, my iPad with my music. And our guidebook, of course. I, I liked to have my guidebook with me, just to yeah, um, yeah. So it was it was pretty light on, really. Yeah, not what, a lot in it. What could you have left behind, Anne? Oh, I could have left behind extras, like you know, I better take an extra pair of trousers in case. Yeah. I wouldn't do that again. I would just have just a change, just two sets of clothes, because then you really feel as if you're in the spirit of the whole walk. And um, somebody talked to me along the way and said to me, the heaviest thing you carry is your fear. And I thought about that all the way through, and I thought, yeah, that's very true. That, that That's the thing that weighs you down the most. It stops you doing things, I think. Fear. Um, and Fear. Yeah. And it's true, isn't it, when you think about it? You know, what stops you from doing it and, and, and venturing out or maybe there's two routes. There's often you can take alternative routes. One might be through the forest and you think, oh, I don't know. But there's so much to be gained. And so as I went along, I thought more and more about that and tried to leave that fear behind me. And you know what? I don't think I ever felt afraid all through the trip. Um, it, it, it really helped me just having that in my mind each morning just to walk off and leave my fear behind. I think that was the heaviest thing I could have carried. That's a wonderful message. What could you leave behind of fear? Yeah, uh, most what, definitely, I think. What do you yeah. wish you'd taken with you? Uh, um, probably less. <laughs> yeah. I think... Um, um, Good music. I think I'd, I, I had put music together, but a bit haphazard at the last minute. I really wish I'd have had more of my favourites because it's such a lovely time. You've got, you know, six, seven hours every day just to listen to your favourite music. I wish I'd have got that together a bit better. Um, and um, just, um, yeah, just a, just a couple of more, an attitude of, um, of sort of 
embracing it, I suppose. Yeah, and yeah. I hope I did do that, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You perhaps music, weren't. Music, I think, is a big thing. Yeah, yeah. but but in, in in terms of embracing the Camino itself, you weren't. I don't think were you uh, expecting quite what you discovered when you arrived. No, no. <laughs> you certainly no. I certainly wasn't. Um, it just blew me away, actually. Um, right from the very first day, I I was a, a. I think there were a couple of things in my mind when I left. One of them was, um, you know, I, I do a fair bit of walking, but how am I going to go doing it day after day after day? How am I going to bounce back every morning? But I soon realised that that wasn't an issue. You just, it, it just, it's such a such a great experience. All the things people you meet and all the rest of it, um, and the sense of being on the road that. Um, yeah, I, it it wasn't an issue at all. The the, the fear I had of um, being able to do it every day, I just really used to look forward to every day. Had had, had yeah. you been adventurous through your life? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't say so. You know, I I I think that was the thing. I always used to think I'd love to do these things, but you know, the sense of wanting to be a vagabond. But no, I hadn't been adventurous all my life. I suppose, you know, I've done the backpacking thing in Europe. Um, you know, in my early 20s for my husband and I did had a van in Europe. And I suppose in a way that was adventurous back then in the early 70s because not many people, not a lot of people were doing it back then. It was adventurous, but, you know, I've had a fairly normal, well, what's, what's normal, but a, f- a fairly run-of-the-mill life, you know, um, married, work, had a couple of gorgeous children, that sort of thing, and, and loved it all. But no, I, I, but this was my first real step-out adventure in the world, like adventurous sort of spirit, and it's really made me realise it's really what I want to do. I want to do another one next year. I can't wait now. Yeah, it's, um, it calls you yeah. back. It calls you back. Oh. It calls all of us back. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's so just, yeah. were you a spiritual yeah. person or are you a spiritual person? I would describe myself as that, yes. Um, I was brought up a Catholic in the Catholic tradition and it's always been a big part of my life. I don't, you know, probably not what you'd call, I'm not not practising, but I'm not the pra- not the traditional sort of Catholic, yeah, but yeah. It, it, it's a big part of my life and my values. So I would describe myself as a spiritual person. Those things are important to me. Um, but... On, on this journey, of course, I, well, for me it was a spiritual journey, and it became more and more so the further I went into it. Um, and I think Spain is a spiritual country, isn't it? I yeah, think it is. Yeah. It is. And, and then, so, forgive me for I'm asking you these personal questions, yeah. but I'm, I'm intrigued because being a spiritual person, having that Catholic background, which is exactly the same as me, uh, yeah. I was astounded at the spirituality I found within me on the mm. Camino. Did you feel that as well? Was that something? Uh, uh, definitely. It's reawakened something in me. Yes. It has reawakened yes. something in me. And I've gone back to uh, to my Catholic faith looking for the things there that I think um, I should I should grab and take a hold of and live my life with. I'm looking at, you know, lots of spiritual readings, not necessarily all Catholic ones. It hasn't overtaken my life, but no. it's added another dimension again to my life, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. That, that I think over the years of, you know, everyday life, you, you let go of. And I've realised how important, I think, how important that is to me. And, and yeah, you're right. It did, it really reawakened it in me. Yeah. And um, it's become a very treasured thing now in my life. Um, and it's, again, something to do with that fear, isn't it? It is, yeah. that, that finding yourself 
confronting that spirituality on the Camino and opening yourself up to it is very rewarding. And in a sense, you are coping with some of that fear. The fear of that spirituality, aren't you? You are in many ways. You are because, yeah, it is. It is it's quite confronting to go back to it again and to, and to realise the depth of it. And, you know, I've become this thing since I've been home, the number of things that have happened to me that that work out for the best, that when they, they happen, you think, oh, I don't want to do that. But then it always works out for the best. And I think, I don't know whether, I don't think it's changed. I think I'm just now seeing it and appreciating it. Yes. Um, and that, that definitely has come from the Camino walk. Um, and yeah, it is, it, it, there is a fear of the spirituality because it, you know, it does, it does confront you and it does challenge you a bit, I think. I think it challenges you. Yes. Yes. Um, and, uh, and, and I think. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Oh, I, I just, you know, it, you said yours was a Catholic background too. You know, growing up in the, the 60s and 70s as a Catholic was, quite rigid and, and strict and and then you know in later life you, you sort of other things come into your life and but it's made me go back and have another look at it and what what the true values of it are and what 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 it can do for me in life and what I can use it to offer to other people through me maybe I don't know but how do you explain it to people when people say, oh, what, what was it oh, like? What was it difficulty. like? Yeah. You know, and you think, people say, what was it like? Tell us about the Camino. Yeah. You say, oh, really, it's, it's, very, it's difficult to explain. How do you explain it to them? Yeah. I think, um, to me, it was like six weeks out of the world. You know, like you, you just, for six whole weeks, you've, you don't have to worry about anything. You just get up every morning and you put your backpack on and you walk and you've got nothing else to worry about or think about. And that sense of being a vagabond, I think, is really, it's very liberating and, you know, not having much to worry about. I think also, I think one of the other things that I think you, you try to explain to people is that sense of pilgrimage that's on the walk. It's yes. not just, it's not just any walk, is it? It's, it's, um, that history, like, you know, for, what is it, 2,000 years or something or 1,000 years or something, people have been walking this walk and you feel them there with you, don't you? I did yeah, anyhow. Yes. I felt, and, and, and all the people on the walk, no matter why they're there, it, it hits people. You know, I met so many young people who would come for an adventure, but they all, they would all talk about this sense of there's more to it than that. Um, it, it is that sense of the history and the pilgrimage and it's such a um, it, there's such a sense of serenity on that walk too. Yes, yes. Um, you, that you don't get, you know, on any other trip that you do. It, it's 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 really sort of I don't know. Um, it it gives you a new sense of life. I found. Yeah, and uh, Rebecca yeah. Sp- uh, Scott, the American blogger and author, whom I interviewed a couple of weeks back, she said she's got some serious juju on that walk. It's so true, isn't it? Yeah. The, the Brazilian, yeah. the, the Brazilian author uh, Paulo Coelho, yeah. he wrote a book about the Camino, the pilgrimage, and he said, "When you travel, you experience in a very practical way the act of rebirth." He said, "You confront mm-hmm. completely new situation, 
Uh, the day passes more slowly. And on most journeys, you don't even understand the language that people speak. So you're like a child just out of the womb. He said, you begin to be more accessible to others because they may be able to help you in different difficult situations. And he said, you accept any small favor from the gods with great delight, as if you were an episode or it was an episode you would remember for the rest of your life. That's so true, isn't it? That is the Camino. Oh, it very much is so. That sense of rebirth and that sense of accepting other people um, and, um, yeah, accepting life as it happens to you along the way. And, um, yeah, very much so. It's it, it's like a whole new reinvention of yourself in so many ways. You, you don't want to go back to where you used to be. Um, I guess that's why I want to do another one. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Every every week I, I sort of ask some nuts and bolts questions, if you like, some sort of, uh, yeah. you know. So we, we talked about what was in the backpack and what you could have left behind and what you'd take with you. Yeah. Did you train before you left? Um, yeah, I like walking. I love walking. So I used to, I lived down, I think you said, you uh, introduced me, is down Ostomy, down on the Illawarra coastline. And um, I'm very fortunate to live in a place where I can walk for miles just along the coast. Um, and so I, I usually walk at least five kilometres into town and back each morning. Um, but often I'll do a 14 or 15 kilometre walk along in the, on the weekends. But apart from that, no, I didn't do gym. Some people did, but I didn't do gym training or strength training or anything like that. But I think it's really important to have your shoes broken in. Yeah. Um, yeah, you met so many people who, who didn't. Well, I think it's luck of the gods as well. I was really lucky with my feet, but um, um, my sister's had her boots for years and walked in them, but she got awful blisters um, and she'd never had them before. So, you know, it can be the luck of the gods, but I think you really have to get your shoes well ahead of time and, and walk in them a lot and get them really broken in. Um, but, yeah, I think I think the average person can do it, you know, if you're if you're reasonably fit, you know, and you like walking... Um, and you know the other thing we're talking about that with walking, it teaches your stamina, it teaches you to persevere I think on this walk because so often in the middle of the afternoon you'll think oh there's another five or six kilometres to go and you really would like to be there but you just keep you just keep plodding along and you do eventually get there and that so often since I've been home I've felt that with things that have happened I thought oh well I'll just keep going at this and I'll get there eventually and you do and whatever it is you're happening and, and that's something I've learned from this trip I think just that I will eventually get there if I just keep going at it yeah um, that, and that, the trip teaches you that I think yeah that's yes it does it does indeed one yeah. foot in front of the other and you will get yeah. there exactly you just have to think okay just get your get your mind into that mindfulness you know think about I used to often just listen to my music and watch my feet as I walked along and my sticks I had like my beautiful faithful walking sticks and I just listen to the rhythm and I just walk and try and just close everything off outside and just listen to my feet and just mindfulness they talk about um you know it might work for five minutes for me then yeah. I'd have to re refocus again and yeah. try it again and that but it was a nice experience to be doing that just to be free to be able to to do that um just to sort of think about all i've got to do like you said one foot in front of the other it's all i've got to do now i don't have to do anything else and that's all i, I can think about that <laughs> and it's a really nice feeling did yeah. you train with the sticks before you left yeah i did a bit a bit we did some bushwalking here in the in the national park here at royal national park and places like that and i used them then um but i hadn't done a lot with them but i did train with them but I um, I found them invaluable, really invaluable. They're like my, my boots and my sticks became my very best friends. <laughs> um, you know, they sort of push you up the hill and then they give you stability and stop you falling down the other side. And 
And as I say, even on the straight stretches, I used to love using them then because they kind of got me into a rhythm. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. How did you yeah. go checking them on, on the flight over and on the way back? I, well, see, that's, yeah, because I, I had a bag that I was, as I said, we were going on afterwards for a holiday, so I had a normal travel bag. Right. And so I put them in that. But I don't know, um, um, because I, I think a lot of people actually put their backpacks on the plane, didn't they? Yes. Don't they, I think. I did see people doing that. I think they do fold down a fair bit. I'd have to, you'd have to have a bag big enough to fit them in, I think, because I wouldn't go without them. I, I, well, you know, you can do anything, I suppose, but I wouldn't want to go without them. Yes. Because I really do love using them. I'd have to, yeah, actually, you've made me think of something. Because I, I was thinking when I go back next year, you know, I'm going to get a really, you know, not the smaller bag as I can manage, but I'd have to have something big enough to fold down my sticks and put them in there. Well, so I guess. Yeah, I was just about to say, I was talking to uh, somebody on the weekend who's going in a couple of weeks' time, and I said to her, How, how are you going to get your sticks? And she bought a little yoga bag. A little oh, yeah. cotton yoga bag from Kmart it cost her six dollars, yeah. and she's yeah. going to put the sticks in that, and just throw them onto the the aircraft. She's going to wrap them in a in an in a towel or something, and then throw. I'll the, put them on as luggage. Just put them on as luggage. Yeah, oh. check them on, and then when she gets yeah. to to Spain, she'll throw away the old towel, and yeah. just and just poke the, the the little cloth cotton yoga bag into the bottom of a knapsack, yeah. and away she goes. Yeah. And, and she that's can, a good idea. She can check them on. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that was. You wouldn't that want to get plan. there and find they'd been taken off you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it could happen. In, that, it could easily happen today. Yeah, yeah. A- absolutely. No, no. I don't think you'd be able to take them on board. In fact, I'm certain yeah. you wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Um, well, that's a piece of advice I'll take. <laughs> yeah. So you met lots of people from different countries along the along the way. What was the high, What was the highlight? What would you say if I said to you, "What was the highlight of your Camino"? Um, I think. Um, just I've never done a, a holiday where I've walked like that before, so that sense of just walking across a country is amazing. You know, it's, you just walk through little villages. You're walking past people's front doors, and and the Spanish people are so delightful. And I, you know, I used to think, oh, they must be sick of us after a thousand years traipsing through their villages, but they're not. They're beautiful people. Yeah. Uh, that was that was lovely, and that real sense of you really feel as if you. You know, you 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 understand the country a bit better when you travel when you walk like that. You're so close and intimate to it, and you're so slow, of course, like everything. You know, slow cooking movement, etc. It's a slow walking movement. <laughs> um, you you really are absorbing things as you go along. I think that, and just the, I loved walking on my own, and that peace and solitude um, that you get when you walk on your own. I really loved that. You know, often people would come up and start chatting and you'd talk for a while and we'd always stop and I loved our morning tea breaks. We'd stop, always stop at morning tea and you'd come into a little village. I'm sure you saw that and you'd see this little coffee cafe or bar and there'd be like a dozen backpacks laying all over the ground and everyone there and that was really nice each day. you meet people. The camaraderie, I think, the sense of pilgrimage of being with those people was, was beautiful, yeah. Yeah, it's a little community, I think, a little community all on its own, out of the world. <laughs> yeah, it is, all those pilgrims walking together. I saw a picture of you. Is that is it an, e- is it an eagle? Oh, yes. On your yes. arm? That was amazing. I, I was, I, it was one of those days when I'd sort of been off on my own and I'd just walked through this forest for quite a while and it was kind of the edge of, you know, I'm out here on my own and, 
anyhow, and then I came down, I, would, I could see a river crossing or a bridge across a river as I went down this valley and there was a guy in a, a sort of a, a, a tent sort of, or like a, a, a lean-to type tent sort of set up with all signs up and he was dressed up in medieval um, gear and I'm on my own and I thought, oh... And then I could see the road going up and he was off to the side and I thought, no, I'm not going down there. I'm on my own. I'm not going to, it just looks a bit weird. Anyhow, so I kept walking up the hill on the other side and he started singing out to me. I thought, oh no. <laughs> and I turned around and he was telling me, you're going the wrong way. Come this way. <laughs> so there you go. So I wandered, went back down and I had a, I thought, I've got to say thank you. So I walked up to him. He's sitting at his table and chair in this little sort of a canopy type thing. And I, I said, gracias, gracias. And, and next one I looked up and here's this big eagle sitting on the chair behind him. And I thought, oh, my God. And I was just blown away by the beauty of this animal. It was just amazing. And I kept sort of saying to him how beautiful it was. He, he's Spanish and my English. And he said to me, indicated, would you like a picture? And I said, oh, that would be lovely, thinking, you know. So I, I, I stepped back out and he came out with the eagle on his hand. And next minute he's putting a leather gov on my hand. And next to me, he's got the eagle on my hand. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I've never done it. Talk about was I adventurous, certainly not with animals. And um, and, and this eagle, he put it on my hand. And he, and he said, and, he, and I was looking, and this eagle was looking at, like we were eyeballing each other. And then he got my finger and he's telling me to stroke the breast of this eagle. And it was just the most, I was almost, in, I was practically in tears. It was just so beautiful. And he, he said, oh, here, I'll take a picture. This is what I mean by taking a picture. <laughs> and he took some pictures of it for me. And um, But, you know, it, I could so easily have missed it. And um, it was just, it was just, it was it actually, it was one of the very big highlights of my trip. It was just, it was just such an amazing, and, and I had seen so many eagles. Did you, when you were doing your walk, I saw so many eagles everywhere because you're up so high in the Pyrenees and in lots of other places we saw eagles. And then it sort of became, when I saw this one, I thought, wow, this is kind of part of the Camino experience for me. Yeah, that was just amazing. And I went back to him afterwards and he took the eagle back and I, I, I was in tears by then. And he actually, he and a group of friends, what they do, they, they rescue these eagles from rescue, like uh, vets places and things like that. And they take them around to hospital. And he was raising money to to care for these eagles and they take them around to show them to sick children in hospitals, which was really lovely. So, How wonderful. Yeah, it was amazing. And this is out in the middle of nowhere and I nearly missed it because I was afraid. Yeah, so there you go. And your fears again, addressing yep, yep. your fears has has resulted yep. in a wonderful experience. So, what yep. advice would you give, Anne? What, what advice what would you that, give? For, for, what advice would you give oh. to someone thinking of doing the Camino? Um, I think if you're thinking of it, do it. You know, don't don't put it off. You can do it. You you, you know, I'd say to people, you're better prepared than you think you are. Um, you don't have to be, you know, super fit at the gym. I'd, that's definitely do it. And I think travel light, you know, as light as you can, because one, it's good for your back, but two, it's good for your mind and soul to travel light. It really gives you that true experience. It does. And just be open yeah. and be open to everything around you. Don't don't go like you said before. Something about expectations. Try not to have too many expectations. Just go and. And be open to it, and like I like with the eagle, you know, amazing what will happen. And I heard so many things people, and I'm sure you did too. So many things people talk about that happened to them that they could never have anticipated. So you go go with an open mind, yeah. And you're going back 
again next year? Yes, not. I'm not. I don't. I want. Um, I'm going to walk from Le Puy in France to Saint Jean, which is a similar sort of distance, but it kind of start. It finishes where I started this journey, but it's also one of the old pilgrim routes. So I'm hoping that, and I, from what I understand, is much the same sort of sense. But this will be in France, which will be interesting. So, so that's my plan. Well, it's um, it's yeah. it's calling me back and. It's calling oh, you yes. back, and it, and pretty much everybody I speak to says the same thing. They can't wait to get back. Yeah. You've been very thank kind you. with your time, Anne. I, I can't thank you enough, and I hope our That's paths good. cross, perhaps even on the Camino. I would, yeah, it would be lovely, and I, um, yeah. So uh, maybe I'll see you at one of your um, at one of your uh, concerts. I've seen you about as a singer, so maybe I'll pop in and ah, say hello one day. <laughs> I'd love to. That'd be great. I'd love to. Thank it's been you. Been a Anne. pleasure talking to you, Dan. Thanks, Anne. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Bye. And if you bye bye now, and there, and Eidstein, the uh, an Australian walker, a pilgrim. And if you are inspired by Anne's journey, and you're thinking of heading to Spain to walk the Camino, remember the words of the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu. He said, "Do the difficult things while they're easy, and do the great things while they are small. A journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step." I'm Dan Mullins. Thanks for listening. Until next week, Juan Camino. 